Shop. Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast where I, Brian Gray, dive into my guest's relationship with their work to learn why they love to do what they do. Uh, today, via satellite, or in this case, Google Hangout, are Andy Yo and Caitlin Campbell from the Bristol Improv Theater, soon to be UK's first ever improv theater. I had not known about this before they reached out to me, but as I dove in to prepare for this episode, I became a huge fan of what they have built over in Bristol. I am super excited to learn more and talk to two very influential parts of the scene there. It is my great pleasure to introduce Andy and Caitlin. Hey! Hi! Hi! So, uh, we'll start with a little bit of history. Um, Andy, you are the theater director, and I gather the theater would just not exist without you. You've provided a beautifully detailed account of the theater's history on Bits blog, um, which I love. Uh, what what first attracted you to improv uh, personally? How did you? Oh my goodness! I think I think it's it's such a long time ago. Although. <laughs> <laughs> He's so old. Thinking back through the through the mists of time, I guess I guess I feel like it's similar to a lot of the reasons that people come to improv at the beginning. They they kind of get this. Uh, they hear about this thing which is about kind of confidence and and getting more spontaneous and 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 getting more creative. And they kind of go, "Oh, I could do with some more of that in my life." <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I, I I looked up, uh, found out that we had an improv group in our university. And just went along, um, and and the the night before was like watching Who's Line videos and stuff, <laughs> like because I wanted to make sure that when I I got there, like I would do it really really well and really right, um, and then turned up and was terrible at it, and <laughs> he, he was hooked. I was like, yeah, this is this, is, but this is great. I want to do more of this. Yeah, I, it's funny. I had a similar experience, just feeling really terrible the first time I performed improv uh what what was it for you that kept you coming back or gave you the the confidence to to continue on this journey i mean so, so the first yeah the, the first session i just i just was so scared just room full of complete strangers uh being asked to stand up and do like a scene in front of people with no preparation and and just wanting so badly to like impress people and <laughs> and wanting to and wanting to be good at it and wanting to be funny and make wanting to make people laugh and 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 sort of brushing up against the edge of achieving that and being and, and sort of getting to the to the end of it and going I, I want to be able to do that better and I want to be able to and but I also want to find out why I was so afraid and 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 is that something that I can can work on because it's is it something that you know is it something that will will help me in in other parts of my life? And it was fun as well. It was just so fun. Yeah, that's that's great. And I think uh, starts to give some insight into a lot of the the tone of the the Bristol community. Uh, Caitlin, you're the assistant theater director and a passionate and caring force in the Bristol improv community. <laughs> Uh, what first attracted you to improvisation and eventually brought you over to the bit? Well, I had done drama at school, as like a lot of people have done um, up to A-level. And uh, had also been involved in loads of other sort of scripted and musical theatre type stuff. And had often just found it a little bit 
churchy and a little bit intense <laughs> and a bit po-faced and um yeah particularly sort of my final year qualifications for drama just made me really lose my passion for it and then I came to university and uh met the improv society who were a bunch of the biggest nerds I'd ever met <laughs> um, <laughs> tell you, no one joins university level improv to look cool <laughs> it's literally impossible at least not back then no <laughs> and um and yeah just the thought of being able to do a, a new show every single week uh to just make something up live on stage and just the idea that you would get to make people laugh and have fun and be silly and be yourself and that would be okay um, was what I was excited about. I think I have always desperately loved making people laugh and wanting to entertain people. You know, the natural show off in me <laughs> um, spoke to it. So that was that was it for me. And then obviously the second I did it, the second I did my first show, I was completely hooked and, you know, couldn't stop. Yeah. And it, and it looks like you get... Uh some crossover from the theater community. So it, it sounds like you grew out of theater and into improv. Um, do you find that that theater background still affects the way you, you play or approach the work today? I mean, maybe in terms of like a certain, yeah, a certain approach that I will often in a scene, if I'm not sure where it's going, definitely try and access the emotional and the character-led stuff. So if I don't know what I'm doing in a scene or why I'm there, then I'll be like, well, what, what am I feeling? What's my, what's my relationship to this person? Which I, I suppose actually is just just good improv. <laughs> just yeah. improv. Um, <laughs> also, but, what's really interesting is that the, I think for in, because Britain has such an amazingly rich theatre tradition, I think a lot of people do come at it from that kind of angle. I do think mm. there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of theatre culture and a lot of theatre history mm. um, and a lot of theatre technique as well just yeah. kind of floating around. Yeah, I would just say for me, it's it's less going for the gag and more going for the underlying humour of relationship and character that mm. I enjoy more. But mixed with, like, not so much of the very serious drama no. that all <laughs> tends to happen. Um that's your drama voice. <laughs> That's my very serious <laughs> drama voice. Very serious drama voice. Yes. Yeah, actually, we got a, a question from uh, one of the improvisers in our community here, which I, that reminded me of, um, but uh, Jethro Nolan asked, uh, so long-form improv in the States is heavily influenced by Del Close and Charna Halpern, as well as Keith Johnstone. Uh, what, what would you say are the British and European roots of uh, long-form improv? Wow. Wow. So, I don't know. I guess, I guess, yes, yes, definitely, Johnstone. Yeah. I mean, has it's because because he when uh, obviously he's in he's in Canada now. I think is that. Yeah. Uh, yes, and, as far uh, as I know, he, 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 he <laughs> left. I guess he 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 left behind sort of all of his his teachings and things when he because he obviously began in London. Um, but in terms of in terms of the the the, the long form currently, I think people like the May Days. Yeah, uh, hugely. Yeah. I think interestingly, it's very um, cross media here because the improv scene, uh, particularly long form improv, is quite young, mm. which is not to say that it's not impressive. Um, borrows a lot from storytelling and narrative. Uh, yeah, kind of stuff. Uh, so. I, it's, it's it's very difficult to get anybody to really pin down distinctions in terms of a practitioner. Mm. Yeah, and it's and, and it's 
in terms of the influences, obviously we get we get massively influenced by um, uh, people like Del Close mm -hmm. uh, and um, like a lot of the stuff that has come out of like Austin, Texas, um, because mm -hmm. we have a lot of people coming over for, for things like the Ed Edinburgh International Fringe Festival. Um, so they kind of keep bringing techniques like that, but because we've had, because the, I think because the, the, the modern improv scene in the UK has developed later, it's very, they, there hasn't been so much of a division within, it, there's not a much of a division between improv and other theatre, and there's not a lot of division between different schools of improv within improv, if that makes sense. So there, it tends to be done more on a sort of performance by performance or show by show basis, mm. rather than necessarily people making like, oh, there's this kind of school or there's there's yeah. there's that kind of type of show. So to give you an example, um, Degrees does a improvised murder mystery. Murder mystery. So our company, Degrees of Error, do an improvised murder mystery, and not all of the not all of it is improvised because we have a um, we have an opener. We have a, we have a, we have a, a an opener. We, the detective does a little speech at the beginning to explain what's what's going on, and we know because it's a murder mystery, there's got to be a murder. Yeah. And we know that, that um, at, like there's got to be at the end, like there's got to be like all the suspects gathered in the room, kind of thing. So for, yeah. for like the pure, for like I guess for the improv purists, like anyone could look at that show and go, well, that's not a completely improvised show. Because there's certain beats that you've got to hit to make it work as the genre. Yeah, yeah, but 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 for us, it is because we're still using the techniques and 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 craft. Did that answer your question? <laughs> uh, 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 definitely. I mean, I think uh, one, and it it gets to a lot of I think the 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 style and the um, I, I guess what the, what's fun over there. Can can you talk a little bit maybe more about that show and and how that that came to be or or how how degrees or other groups at at the bit might might put together a new show so we started working on murder about god it's five years ago now because mm, mm. uh, we've been doing just an improvised play so we take a title from the dramatist play catalogue and we just go for it and we were finding that it was so broad <laughs> that we ended up we wanted to sort of focus our attention somewhere and we wanted to do a genre show because we were jealous of ostentatious we were jealous of the maydays we were jealous of parallelogram phonograph getting to wear cool costumes and do cool voices and we were like i want to do that i don't want to wear stage blacks can i just say if, if you don't know do you, do you know aware of ostentatious I don't know ostentatious. They're a, they're a London-based group that do an improvised Jane Austen novel, mm. and they are phenomenally oh, successful in the UK. Yeah, they, talk, they tour and, and yeah. all the rest of it. Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, you, we... you mentioned Maydays also, who I read about on your site, but I don't know them either, if you want to mention what they're about. Oh, sure, yeah. So they are the cornerstone of um, improv in Brighton. Um, and they are, we've worked really closely with them on stuff. They've come and performed at the theatre a bunch of times. One of the Maydays has coached us a lot. Mm -hmm. um, we, we heart them. <laughs> and they do a lot of, they do a lot of the long form stuff. But the, the interesting thing is they didn't really call it long form when they started doing mm. it. They just did these scenes that were linked and, and that had yeah. certain beats in, in, in their show. Yeah. Um, I think to go back to the previous question, something mm. that I was thinking of, but not saying out loud, was that in uh, in Britain, I think there are fewer like gurus and fewer schools of improv, but more sort of skill shares. 
So if mm. you like something that a troupe does, every troupe will also do a workshop for you. Like all you have to do is get in touch and be like, I really love your style. Will you come and do a one-off weekend in Bristol? And they will 100% do that. There's no gatekeepers of improv that I have encountered so far yeah. um, in, in British improv. So there are fewer like um, individual people who are like, teaching everything and teaching in a certain way and more of this sort of symbiotic growing mm. skill sharing and so and so I, that kind of ties into the philosophy of the, the the bit in the sense that we started this up because we were aware of all of this knowledge sort of floating around from lots of different people and we we, we often get a lot of the io people coming over to london mm-hmm. and the rest of the uk and like teachers will dip in and out and we wanted um the bit to be less of a of its own school with its own you know, particular viewpoint and more like a library with like a, it's, it's, it's book reading clubs, sort of <laughs> places that people could come and, and does, that, does that make? Yeah, it's a good metaphor. We're completely off the question though. Yeah. Well, so, so going back, <laughs> so in, <laughs> as, you should, you should put a little sand timer for us and just turn <laughs> and be like, you have three seconds, please, please shut up. Yeah. Or have you got some like Oscars type music that you can like turn up gently as the questions go on, the answers go on for too long? I mean, no, I mean, it, it, but this is, uh, it's great. Uh, so, I mean, I realized we were originally talking about the, um, the murder mystery, but it, this is a great insight into all these different aspects. You can edit it so it's all in the right place, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, cut it up and splice it back together. To go to go to to go back to the, the murder mystery question, um, yeah, it, somebody would come in in in. We're hoping in in the future, uh, drenched in this wide ranging knowledge of all these different ways that someone can improvise like people will come to the bit and say i've got this idea for this show they'll work collaboratively with people they'll draw from a bunch of different knowledge and different a bunch of different guides mm-hmm. and they'll and they'll put together this thing and it will be yeah it will be it will be completely unique you know it will be new it will be it will be groundbreaking it will be genre Defying. Crossing, <laughs> defying. I like to, it. To, but to, to finish answering your question about how we approach making making new work, we got to this stage where we, we knew we really wanted to do a genre piece, and we were throwing around a couple of different things. And someone was like, "Oh, how about doing an improvised murder mystery?" And we all loved the idea because of all the different you could get the color aspect from Cluedo, and we, we wanted it partly to feel a bit like a magic trick. So we have these colored cards at the beginning. It's kind of, it's heavy format, quite high concept kind of show. <laughs> uh, so each character has a card which corresponds with their color. And then at the beginning, someone in the audience chooses who the victim and who the murderer is gonna be. And then at the end of the show, the detective pulls together the whole thing to show that it only could have been that one person and they pull the card. So we wanted it to feel like, um, like, like a, like a magician's audi- choice. Like we're crafting something and the audience is, is, is party to that. We want to feel like a real murder mystery, so you're trying to work out what's happening at, as, mm. as it happens. Mm. Um, but it is, it is a trick in the sense that it's a, it's a trick. You know, you're, you're just throwing stuff out and, and in, in the very best sort of um, methods of improv, you're just following it wherever mm. it goes. But because, you know, you can jump and justify, like the, the detective comes out and just goes, well, this thing happened on this in here and this thing happened mm. here. And that proves conclusively because yeah. of this reason that yeah. I just Nine made up. Nine times out of 10, it does. Yeah. <laughs> and the audience go, whoa, like this is the only possible ending there could have been. <laughs> sometimes it, sometimes yeah. they, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work, but that's um, fine. That's improv. Yeah, um, it, it sounds, it sounds really great. Um, and, and just hearing you talk to about this, this sense of, kind of groups working together to share knowledge, um, you know, over necessarily 
a few individuals, uh, it, I think it, uh, helps to communicate this idea that, that I did get reading, um, the posts about a clear kind of dedication to community. Um, and I think that's, that's a clear focus from the site. Um, Caitlin, one of your students talked about how you take the time to get to know people. You always seem thrilled to see them. Uh, you're very caring and keep other people's needs in mind. Uh, how much of your job at BIT would you say is community focused and what are those responsibilities? That is so nice. <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know, I think 100% of it. I mean, mm. we all do a lot of stuff at the BIT. I mean, at the center of this this thing that we've, we've managed to build, there are four of us desperately treading water. Um, but the best part about that is that I get to be assistant theater director and work with Andy on you know, uh, booking shows and, and meeting people and doing accounts. But then I also get to be an instructor and teach people uh, improv who have never done it before. And I also get to perform on stage and do everything and, and, and host the jam, which which we love. And I think the, the people, I mean, so far, I don't think that we have an audience base for the theatre so much as we have a community. The same people come back over and over and over again. And it's not just because of the shows that are on, although obviously that's a big part of it. It's because we tried to, and this is a big claim, but we tried to sort of build improv from the ground up. So you could come to the theatre and you could do a discovering improv class. And if you've never done improv before, that would be enough to like get you started, give you the confidence to give it a go. You could join your first improv troupe because um, we have an amateur improv company that anyone can join for membership. You can, you know, mm. uh, get on stage in the jam. And then also you can see world-class improv on our stage. Like we've had people from all over come and perform. Uh, um, so Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty insistent that people take the discovering improv class like like regardless of when they, they come and they they go oh I've, I've i've been an actor i've done this or i've done that and we say yeah this is try it try it because because the discovering improv is is all about what we think are the key not even not even the theater side of things like what we think are the key aspects of just the improv side of things which is being accepting like being positive saying yes to things saying yes to ideas listening listening to each other um responding truthfully um what else uh being uh, like oh like believing in yourself mm -hmm. you know believing that you are a creative person yeah. and that you should you should you should be bravely and boldly putting your ideas out there and in the hippiest happiest kind of way the reason that this is all about the people is because improv is the most accessible art form in my opinion it does work for all manner of sins because we have people joining our classes because they want to build their confidence. We have people joining our classes because, you know, they want to learn a new performance skill. You know, we have people coming for all host of reasons, you know, mindfulness, anxiety related, other stuff like that. And they all come together and do it together and it, it works. Mm. Um, there's never a conflict over why people have joined. They all get a great thing out of it. And, and you can't really do improv for a long period of time and be a jerk. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it just, you just, people, because eventually people just stop wanting to play with you. So yeah. you, you like, in, in order to, to, so, 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 the community that it arises out of an out of out of improv is 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 so lovely and welcoming and positive because those kinds of people mm. are the kinds of people that keep coming back so to 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 go full circle 
do I do this because I'm lovely and caring or am I lovely and caring because I do this? Yeah, why not both? And I wouldn't be allowed to do it if I wasn't. Hey, I just call myself lovely and caring. What a great lady. Yeah. And it makes you so modest as well. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting because I I do feel like the, there's often a bit of, uh, tension's wrong word, but it is sometimes hard to get people who have different goals, right? If someone really wants to grow as a performer, um, put in a lot of hard work versus someone who's, you know, looking to meet people, um, and learn what this is about. And I think yours is one of the first curriculums I've seen that seems to really break down the classes, at least the early classes, kind of by that, like w- what you're interested in. I may not be summing that up correctly, but um, I-, I know, Andy, on the blog, you mentioned that you studied many, many improv theaters building the curriculum. Um, and maybe that's where that comes from. So you mentioned the the beginner uh, class is, um, you said what it is, but it's, it's called basically like, uh, what, uh, yeah. And it will, and at least they break out like who this class is good for. Maybe you want to build confidence or meet friends. Um, and then there is a class for using improv to push creativity and an up upcoming class about improv for performance. So maybe, can you talk a little bit about how that structure came to be? Yeah. So, so we, we, I guess we, I have to go all the way back to kind of like my conception of what improv is, which is kind of like a process rather than a thing. Like it's like mm. a verb rather than a noun. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so, so discovering improv is kind of the, is, is, is the sort of for us, the, 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 the improv process that all the things I just mentioned, uh, you know, positivity, acceptance, you know, be like supporting each other, being yes. confident in your own ideas, listening, um, and and improv theatre or pro- improv performance is kind of like in the same way that you would improvise to to get improvised jazz, or like you would improvise to get improvised poetry. You can improvise to get improvised theatre. So the actual act of being on stage and performing, I don't think, is actually necessary for improv. But it is the thing that interests us the most because we have theatre backgrounds. So mm-hmm. what we discovered was that, yeah, the, the Discovering Improv course is for people who are maybe want to be more confident or more spontaneous, want to connect with each other, want to meet people, want to have make friends, want to have fun, want to learn how to play again, like back when they were children. Like we get a lot of, um, we get a lot of people coming out of the class going, I feel free, I feel mm-hmm. freer. Not necessarily I feel more performative, but I feel like the floodgates have been released and I feel like I can do more things now. I'm, I'm braver. I'm, I'm more confident. Um, and and as, of them, of the people that come out of that discovering class, there is a percentage then who then go, and I want to get on stage yeah. and perform in front of others because the parts of the class that we experienced where I was performing it and like an audience-based game, I got a buzz out of that. Mm-hmm. And... And some people don't, but some people yeah. Yeah. get yeah. a real like buzz out of that. And then, and then that's the point where we wanted to go. Okay, cool. Let's talk about scene work. Let's talk about platforming. Mm. Let's talk about yeah. reincorporation. Let's talk about status and mm. game and and all the rest of that stuff. All those stuff you see in those really in those in those level classes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it it. But I think we we have found through a bit of a process of trial and error. If you push that stuff early, the people who haven't come for that will feel excluded. Mm-hmm. And actually, they bring such a wonderful energy 
to the class that you don't want to lose those people. Mm-hmm. And improv is such a good life skill as well as being a good performance tool that actually it should stay accessible for those people. And and the other thing is it, it then re, it that it sort of resolved the tension between uh, which we sometimes got, which was uh, when um, you're on stage and you do something and then you try you try and correct something that a student's done, um, or, or or help them try to make a stronger choice and they go oh I, I thought this was improv and I can do anything and there were no wrong answers mm. and, <laughs> and all the rest of it yeah and actually what we discovered was that in, yeah in, in in improv terms in the discovery class yeah it's fine follow it wherever as long as you're all moving forward the only rule is. You're being nice to each other. Consensus. Yes, it has to be consensus. As long as there's consensus and you're all moving forward, you can go any place you want to. Mm. But theatre has conventions. And theatre has... Like you, can, you have to understand things. Like, you need to be able to project and face the, face the audience. And, and there, there's, there's timings and rhythms and, and stuff that you... You know, there's a, it's a very broad discipline, but there are rules in theater and so by separating the improv theater from the normal imp- from the from the from the improv t- as a technique play. play um it let us then say okay you've come here to learn improv theater now we can start to talk about your the strength of your scenes in a more yeah. meaningful way Let's break it down. without saying that you can't do things in improv does that <laughs> that was that a lot question? oh god that was it's, so long yeah it's it's really cool, uh, and I think your your jazz metaphor is great. I've been thinking about that myself just in recent years about how I feel. I for a year I came from a theater background as well, and I've been using the theater metaphor, and have been thinking more that the jazz metaphor is more appropriate. I, I feel like improv is that we do is more like jazz than it is like theater at the end of the day, even if the result ends up like theater. So I think thinking through teaching that way is pretty cool. I do want to get into more scene work with you personally. There's just, there's a lot of interesting stuff about the theater. There's even more I could ask about. I want to definitely touch on this before we get there and then I'll, I'll dive in. But, um, I, uh, oh, then I moved away. Oh yeah. Um, one of your, your students, uh, I talked to Jessica talked about how encouraging it is to see a woman at the uh, theater who is, quote, a fantastic leader, also an excellent improviser. And uh, <laughs> I don't know which one she was talking about. She was talking about Caitlin, but uh, <laughs> improv does tend to be a community a made up of woman. majority white men. And to me, it's also encouraging to see um, the, the top brass at a theater, uh, um, neither of whom I'm talking to, well, I'm making an assumption here of white identified men. Um, and I'm wondering, if, from your perspective, does bit... Um, in, do work to encourage a variety of voices on stage. Is that something that's important to both of you um, or more coincidental on on your part? It's, yeah, no, it's hugely important. Mm. It's hugely important to us, mm. I think. Um, I first spotted sort of the power of, the power of improv, um, uh, the power of it as an art form to uh, empower people and, dr- and bring different types of people because it is so accessible. 
uh, when I was at university and when I joined my university group I was one of very very few women um, <laughs> I remember the first time I turned up 20 minutes late because I got lost on the way to the student mm -hmm. union because I have no sense of direction and every head of 30 men swiveling and going it's a girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah and just just unapologetically like once I joined worked my way up through the committee becoming vice president and workshop rep and just making it my complete aim to we're, we're going to be a 50-50 society mm. and we could probably stand to have a few few years where there are more, more women than men and that did happen when I um, joined the when I joined the when I joined the same society a few years earlier because I'm a bit older than Caitlin just a bit <laughs> just a bit um, it, there were no there were no women <laughs> those were the bad old days mm. and by the time she'd finished um, there was it was an all not all female committee an we all, had a few guys an almost all female <laughs> we made them feel welcome governing committee of the society yeah um, yeah. So obviously for me, my focus has been sort of empowering women and girls because it's, and I, I don't know if that's even a focus, but I think uh, on purpose, well, it was, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm backtracking myself. It was definitely on purpose, but I wouldn't say I had like specific policies to do it, except for just zero tolerance on watching people dick on each other. Because when I first, first joined Improv, it was not unheard of for two girls to get on stage together and people going, it's a girl scene, you can be prostitutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And just, just, just starting to call that stuff out and be like, no man, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that here. Um, and, and in a nice, welcoming, cool way, just, hey, I noticed that this happened. Just so you know, in future, guys, you don't have to do that. And, and there, are, there are funner and more interesting ways. And generally my line was, we're all too funny to have to rely on that kind of stuff to make people laugh because it'll only make them laugh once and then you're still up there for a five minute scene. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think that is carried into the theater. Yeah, definitely. Well. That is, it is definitely translated uh, into the theater as a whole. And, and, and we, as we've encountered each problem, we have just been very careful about finding out what it is that will help overcome any mm. problems that people feel like they're having um, and opening up the channels and making sure. So now you, Caitlin is basically the go-to point of contact, very advertised as such for if people are having trouble, they're feeling like they're being discriminated against or they're feeling like they're being, uh, being made feel uncomfortable by other mm. people sort of in the, in the community. And, and we, we just try and have a very open discussion about it mm. all, all the time uh, on every level um there's probably things we're we're we're, mm -hmm. we're not doing well i'm gonna i'm gonna put andy on the spot here and embarrass him by saying that um it, it, it is much easier to do this kind of stuff as a woman when you have a very awesome group of men behind you backing you up oh. um because it yeah, you know it definitely. does speak to i think as a woman my yeah first point of what I care about, in, you know, is, is, is empowering other women to speak. But when you are sh trying to talk over men in the past early days who are speaking against you, having a guy at your back using his privilege, for want of a better word, to speak with you and give weight to your voice and be listened to has been, you know, it's made it happen. So, And, and, on, and on stage, you know, we... we... We, it, we, it, we, ex we accept that in, in the moment, you know, things can be said mm. that people don't mean. They, they do it because they're scared or they do it because they, they don't know what to say or they, their brain just has, they have a little brain fart or, or whatever. Mm. Um, but it's, 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 it, we make it very clear that, you know, again, it's just this point of are we all moving forward 
together. Is everyone in, still having fun? Yeah, in mutual consent. Um, yeah. There's an amazing uh, uh, teacher, a clown therapist teacher called Holly Stoppit, who's based in Bristol. And um, she says, uh, vulnerability without consent is, is trauma. Um, so if you're mm. if you're making someone vulnerable on stage and you don't you don't have their consent, if you're attacking someone on stage and you don't have their consent, that's trauma, and the audience don't want to watch it. Mm. If you if you have consent, that can be uh, incredibly ri- enriching, healing experience. It can be a really fascinating, dramatic, theatrical thing. You know, Char- you know every- Charlie Chaplin is is so enjoyable to watch being you know kicked because <laughs> he's given us the permission to do it. Um, but if someone is obviously up there without having not given their consent for that, mm. like the audience don't want to watch that. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, that that's great. Thank you for sharing. And I, I do think that like you, uh, like you say that, you know, these things come up, but really having that, that culture where you can reach out and have discussions about what's happening um, is, is important. And even, even the, the um, beliefs and values statement, right up on your site, I think was really uh, cool to see uh, <laughs> as uh, Andy's pointing to Caitlin for uh, <laughs> his <laughs> listening at home. So Andy, um, Stephen uh, Clements? Clements. 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 That's the British way of saying it. Uh, who plays with you on the degrees of error, as you mentioned, says that when you walk into a scene, he always expects a strong, confident offer for how the scene should progress. Uh, can you talk me through those initial moments of a scene for you and how you get to that strong initiation? Um, if indeed that is what you're you're looking for at the top of a scene? Yeah, it's it's something that I'm, I'm actually trying to get out of the habit of doing. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess... Fair I, enough. I guess part of the, the sort of opening an improv theatre so that we'd have somewhere to play is kind of a, a symptomatic of my overriding control issues. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess, oh gosh, when, when, yeah, when I, yeah, when I, when I, when I'm, when I'm entering a scene, I'm very conscious of, um, of, uh, the idea that at some point the audience is going to want to know why we're watching this scene rather than another scene, Right. And I, I, I feel like eventually you do have to name it. Mm. Like you have to say what's going on. You have to break the, the sub, what they would call the subtext if it was, mm. if it was a scripted piece of work, right? For, because um, for me, uh, right, let me, let, me, let me, hang on, no, I can do this, I can do this. So my, it, when, you, when, when, two improvisers, when two improvisers are on a scene... Um, and they uh, and they say something, and the audience says see the audience sees something that's unsaid, like the subtext of what's going on. Like the audience wants to know that the improvisers have seen it, have like have seen what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like if it's a game of the scene, or if it's if it's just like maybe there was a moment between them that indicated something about the relationship and something like that. There's there's a subtext to, to what's going on. If the improvisers don't break that subtext at some point, the audience doesn't have any proof that they saw it because they know it's being improvised. Whereas if it was a scripted piece, they'd know, well, the scriptwriter probably meant like this and you could debate about it and, and all the rest of it. So so for me, I'm, I'm just kind of aware that maybe improv has to break subtext more often than scripted work does so that everyone can get back on the same page 
and then move on. Unless the subtext is like super obvious and, and everybody knows that everybody knows <laughs> and they just kind of play it. So, yeah. May I contribute? Of course. Um, as an improviser working with Andy, um, Andy's <laughs> scene openings are always shit hot. Like, he's <laughs> underselling this. Because he's being very, because as he says, he's trying to, he's trying to embrace his sort of true improviser. But when you're in a show with Andy and he walks on in the first scene and says something like, you're knocking it down or, well, this is the day it all happens. The audience just sit up and they're like, shit, something's going to happen. <laughs> and and everyone knows why they're here. It's like he says, why, why are you watching this scene as opposed to any other scene? Why are you seeing this day, these characters as opposed to any other day in characters? And he's great at finding that. But the reason I qualify is for two reasons. One, I believe that the audience will give you more credit than a lot of improvisers are, 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 feel, are often brave enough to give. I think an audience will happily sit there and not really know what's going on, but let that emerge. Because I think it's important to let things emerge um, because the audience is discovering it then at the same rate mm. that you are. You're not enforcing it on the audience. Mm. Um, and the second thing is because um, uh, I've forgotten so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so this this subtext um, clarification for you is this for the your performers or for the audience or some combination of both? Like it's a, a case where we're all needing to get back on the same page. I feel like if you're not constantly uh, checking in with your scene partner and the on the audience and making sure that everybody is on the same page you run the risk of of diverging mm. from from what everybody thinks is is going on um that's not necessarily a, a bad thing because it gives you more options of places to go like but um at the same time if you yeah if you're not on the so so yeah so if two improvisers were having a scene and then and then they they, had, they shared a moment and and the and 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 everyone was like, oh, these guys have got a history, or something. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. the audience and and the improvisers didn't pick up on that audience like stirring, and 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 and, and at least ask themselves like, why did the audience laugh when we looked at each other just then? Mm. You're yeah. you're yeah. leading the audience rather than yeah. responding. And if you're not responding, like yeah. that's not improvising. And the exciting thing about improv is that the audience can inform your performance just as much as you do, and you. Mm. You work with what they're responding to, and you are inspired by what they enjoy. Mm, so, mm. and I've, oh, and I've totally—I remember the second thing. I think I—I <laughs> I feel I feel like I feel like a lot of times people overoffer. Like offers offers are too big, and 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 the the bigger you make an offer, and the more complicated, and the more layers you add on, the the less you give people buy-in to what you're what you're making. It just becomes about one person making a thing rather than everyone making a thing. Mm. And so you've got more chance of leaving your, yeah, again, leaving your scene partner behind. Like they're suddenly like, well, this isn't my thing anymore. And this is your thing, you know? So, so I do like strong offers, but I also am trying to limit it. (laughs) So it's, it's not necessarily as much about, um, a subtle offer as much as like, I'm going to make this, just make the piece to hand to you so that you can build on that piece back. Right, right. Because if, if if you if you believe as you should be acting, like that, that you trust your scene partner and that you, they're they're a brilliant genius and a poet, um, you know that the small they can turn the smallest offer into anything. You know, that in yeah. fact, the smaller the offer, the more they can do with it. Um, and you're not actually helping necessarily by pi- constantly adding sentences onto your offer, <laughs> and and you've got to keep waiting for you to finish, um, in order for you yeah in order for the scene to carry on. 
Caitlin, Stephen uh, says of you, the same Stephen uh, Clements, that uh, he expects when you're in a scene, an emotionally grounded moment or something mischievous. Yes. Uh, <laughs> similarly, uh, when you get a suggestion, uh, where where do you go in your head that gets you to that emotionally grounded place? I think I think what we spoke about earlier, like straight away, my most important thing is about character and relationship. So if I go on stage, I am much less likely to walk on with a sentence like, "So we're knocking the whole thing down," and more likely to go on wait for the lights to come up and just look at the person I'm doing a scene with for a second in a kind of, okay, we're doing this, and who are you to me? And I think, like Andy was saying, just just, just kind of constantly checking in, because for me, I love improv because it's fun and I get to be other people. Um, and so doing both those things at the same time is the best part about doing an improvised play. So uh, in terms of what I'm thinking of, so if, if, you, if I hear a suggestion... Uh, for a murder mystery about we we take for our murder mystery just as an example a reason why all the suspects are gathered together so an occasion or an event and so from that you you can build a little world so say it is for example uh, on safari the first thing I'm gonna you know do is come on with this person and be like well how do I feel about being here am I a big game hunter and I've never been more thrilled or am I just so pissed that I've been brought along and and working from there and um and that's what I really get out of it and I think also the idea that you need light and shade in a scene the funnies are funnier if the if if the moments of pathos are there and so if if you're not actually mm -hmm. afraid if you're not constantly trying to make the audience laugh and you're not afraid to be like i'm so angry why did you do that and actually have everyone be like shit i think she's i think she is pretty angry then um then you know everyone will just invest more and enjoy enjoy the moments of levity more yeah it sounds like um uh really checking with your partner and also being um, in a sort of space of like comfort and um, discovery uh, kind of leads you into those places more than uh, maybe even a way of just saying like being less in your head and more in your, I don't know, heart. heart. Mm. <laughs> and I think, I think that's why um, uh, Degrees has, has uh, um, such a wonderful feel to improvise with because yeah, for for Caitlin, your your emotions take primacy. They they come first, and for me, I almost I'm almost I'm almost a come at it from a director's, and then and then and then the emotions emerge out of the situation, and I try and play the situation. I let mm -hmm. the situation it feed me emotionally, mm -hmm. and I'd I'd love to have more of what you do, and I'd like to think that yeah, you you totally. you, you copy other people from the group Steve, who all have their own ways. Steve Clements, for example, is incredibly cerebral and very analytical, and can be right on mm. top of the scene, looking at what it needs and where it needs to go. Yeah. Um, He's patterns and puns. Yeah. yeah, patterns and puns. So we're, we're, we're an eclectic bunch um, and yeah. it, it, it seems to work. Um, what's really interesting about um, working with Degrees is that you, you, you really do realise that there is no perfect improviser. There's no, like the often the, the object, often you feel like sometimes the objective of some improvisers is to, is to produce, you know, eight, exact copies of people who have 
every level, like all their skills leveled up mm. to the same level. And actually, it's not everybody is different in the way that yeah. they think and perceive and, and, and process. And it's about being able, and improv is the glue that holds it together. It's less like the clone army and more like the X Men. <laughs> yeah, let's improvise a little bit. We'll give it a go. We're going to try to do some. Some phone calls, uh, improvised phone calls. So uh, here's what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to definitely try to come from a place of acceptance and um, niceness in my improv, which I like to do anyway. Uh, and um, and I, I like, um, maybe, maybe I'll try to play a little bit Andy and a little bit Caitlin in different, uh, <laughs> if we do a couple calls. And we'll see how well I do. <laughs> we'll see how well we do. Yeah, yeah. Uh... My suggestion, I'm going to suggest an object, and it's baby shoes. Hello? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to call so late. <sighs> Mike, um... Go on, go on, hang on, let me put the light on. Yeah, no, it's just that, um, it, it's, it's just that sunshine's been up all night, and I don't know, I don't know if I, if I did something wrong or, or fed her something she's, she's not supposed to eat. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> okay, um, you, you, you are aware that the, the, the earth is round, right? You're, you're aware the earth is round. There's no reason to take a tone right now. Okay. Okay. It's just, it's just, cause you know, you know, it's, it's, it's four o'clock in the morning here. I know. I know. I mean, I don't know. I can't always calculate. Is it six hours or seven and daylight savings? I don't know. I, I, I really, I really, I want, I, I really want this to work. I, but, uh, we both we both wanted this, right? I I just it just you this this is the third time you called me in 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 a, in a day and and I I have I have a presentation tomorrow. Ha. I don't I don't have parents to ask these questions to. I don't know who who to go to if not you. That's I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I'm just I'm tired. I'm 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 sorry, man. I I, I... Uh, no, I'm I'm sorry. I I I can I guess uh, I don't know. I need more friends. I put a lot on you. What's well have you have you have you have you have you gone have you gone to the have you gone to the the almond? Have you have you did you did you go out to the almond like they had that that music night on and and you know, you just you need, you need to 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 kind of get out there and, and find some, you know, find some, find some. This might actually be a cultural difference. I don't know what you're suggesting I do. Have I gone to what? The, uh, the, the, the live music place, you know, the almond. Oh, oh yes. The almond. Yeah. No, you know, I was, I was going to go last night and I, you know, I, I put on those new shoes you got me and, uh, I've been, I was I've... standing out front. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 uh, 
I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you like the shoes. I've been I've been listening to your album on you know on repeat like on the plane out here. Um, oh, really? You, you know you you should get back into to to doing some music and stuff. And and I know you feel like you've got responsibilities. Uh, you know, which I, you, I have responsibilities. It's more than a feeling. I don't know. I I you're right. I mean, I should still find time to play. I just I got there. I was out in front of it, and it. Uh, I don't know. I just I felt embarrassed going alone. I don't. I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, she's she's got quiet again. I'm just gonna let you get to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Let's. Let's. I, I know I I know this isn't I know this isn't about her I I, I love you man you, you know that right I love you too Let's do another one Uh yeah your word is funfair Funfair Oh uh hello Hi hey where are you Oh Oh my gosh! I'm 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 to the um to the back um by the water cooler. The water? Where is that? You see me? No, I can't see oh, you. Oh, uh, yeah. No, uh, I I don't see you. Well, well, hi, where I, are I, you? Yeah, I'm I'm by the big top. I'm by the the the, the orange and yellow big top. Oh oh my gosh! Do you see it anywhere near you? Is there a peanut vendor? I'd love to get those peanuts that are just covered in uh in like uh with the the crispy candy stuff. No, 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 no. I can't uh not from here. Listen, are you are you with everybody? Uh I don't I haven't I haven't seen Janet or uh or Frank. I haven't seen anyone since I got here. I'm trying to find I'm trying to find everyone. Well, where, where are you? I mean, at like which fun fair? I'm in the back near the what no. sorry? Which fun fair are you at? I'm at the one at Miles and Fourteenth. We're a completely different fun fair. Which fun fair are you at? I'm at Madison at 82nd. Okay, cancel the peanut order. Um, this is, uh, we spoke about this. This was meant to be... You said you were going to introduce me to everyone, and you didn't even give me directions. I, I, I want, I want to introduce you to everyone. I'm not, okay. I'm not embarrassed of you, if that's what you think. I'm just bad. I'm just bad at directions. I, I'm just. I wanted to get in front of it. I'm just. I said I'm not embarrassed of you. Well, I, to be honest, it sounds like you're embarrassed by me. Well, oh. I don't know how to get out of this now. You, I'm. Did you want me to come? Uh, well, you know, now it's going to be two trains. So uh, at this point, maybe we just meet back at the apartment. Listen, have you have you told them? Have you told them that we're seeing each other? I, I've told them I have a girlfriend. Oh my God! You haven't told them it's me. I, I it hasn't come up that no one asked who's what the name was or. 
I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them. I just need the right time. I thought a fun fair. What a fun time to you tell everyone. Like 82nd Street in Madison. <laughs> just just so you don't, you have to get out of this. This is crazy. Okay. 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's, uh, Listen, I'm they don't, they don't like you. They don't like you. It's going to be very what? awkward. I, I, Why? I like what? you. I like you. I Isn't that the most important part? This is crazy. My friends love you. My friends all love you. They think that you're hilarious. I'm very lovable. I do magic. Why? Why don't your friends like me? I, 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 I... You know. Why don't your friends like me? They're, uh... You, you have expensive clothes. They don't know what it's like to have money. They all work shitty jobs. And they I think you rub it in their faces. <gasps> I yes, just the fact that you think you've worked shitty jobs, I think, shows the difference. Oh, that was a very, very inexpensive delicatessen. So I don't really know <laughs> where you're coming from with that. See, you I think it's adorable that, that you think you've worked shitty jobs and you, you try to relate. I think it's part of your charm. We just have to we just have to roll it out over time. You don't take me seriously. I am very self-aware, okay? You your friends are the snobs, okay? I don't have a problem with them being poor and not making much of themselves, okay? I think that that's their choice if they want to live that way, you this know? Is this is this is what they want. They want us to fight with each other, but we should be united against them. It's I mean, not I about us. To be united from 82nd Street, okay? Cool. So, uh, how much fun on my side? Um, yeah, I was trying to do my Caitlin. Uh, attempt uh, with Andy and my Andy attempt with Caitlin and I, I felt that was was pretty good. I mean in both case cases I was trying to be um, you know certainly accepting as an improviser and in a more discovery mode and that I thought was was good and fun though not so much out of my comfort zone um, and trying to be really more in tune emotionally in the first one and just more kind of clear about um, you know, why, why this scene and not over offering in the second one. Um, and, and that was, was certainly fun. I don't know if, if they were too different from each other in terms of how I was playing. I think after a point I was just kind of going along. Um, I, but I, I had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed both doing and, 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 yeah. and watching. I, um, I, yeah, just, I can only speak, uh, speaking, just speaking for, for our one. I, I really loved, um, I really love this idea of like you'd yeah I was away on some business trip and it's kind of what I got from that and and our our kid had had, had woken up but mm. you weren't really calling me for that you were just kind yeah. of this yeah. was a kind of I miss you kind of kind of mm. call um what I also really loved yeah, what's that? Go on. Oh yeah I was I would 
I don't know that we ever, that I was ever super clear about that relationship, though I didn't, it didn't really bother me in that, like, I think we knew how we felt about each other. Like, we were, um, you know, in, you were helping me, uh, if not the, if it wasn't our kid, and it, I think in the beginning, I went back and forth on whether it was our kid or not, yeah. but, um, sure. but I think we, we really cared about each other and we're really helping each other. And I don't know if I necessarily needed more than that, or it would have been come out later. And that was, that felt good. What I really liked is when you went, um, oh, I don't think, I, I think I'm misunderstanding. Is this like a cultural thing? And and it was such a genuine response. Like I really liked the like. I think it totally worked within the context of the conversation. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to listen back. But I I really yeah. enjoyed the like. Oh no no no! I've told you like it's this it's it's the it's the live music venue that I keep mentioning. You're obviously not listening to me when I said it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I I broke, which is not my no, favorite no, part worked. of that. But it's because I really yeah. Uh, I, you're right. I just had to say that because I did not know what you yeah. meant. But I've never heard that of the Almond either. I made so it up. He made I made it up. It's not a thing. <laughs> oh, a good. Okay. Because none of us exist inside of Andy's brain. <laughs> but what's interesting, what, what, I, what I love is, is that it was like now all of a sudden we're not only are we in a long distance relationship or like a like a like a work like a way relationship with a with, with with some sort of kid in the mix, but also like we are from two different worlds, so we're already struggling to communicate even yeah. when we're in the same place. Do you know, from listening to it, um, my thing was that I felt like you, that Andy's character wasn't wasn't taking you as, like, seriously enough, that your, your concerns, mm. because um, when he was starting to talk to you about, oh, you know, are you going out more? Are you doing this stuff? I was just like, ask about the baby. He obviously wants to talk about the baby. <laughs> Maybe I just love to talk about babies. That's true. Mm. But I think, you know, the fact that you were trying to, you know, you started off from this place of like kind of resentment and a bit of anger, like, oh, I didn't want you to call me so late. And then you were trying to move to a place where you were trying to communicate. And yeah. actually, I, I, I personally really wanted to hear you be like, what's going on with the baby? And just let you talk mm-hmm. about that for a little bit. That's so interesting because, um, because my, in my head, my character did not want to talk about the kids. Well, that's interesting because then I, I felt like it wasn't, it didn't actually come to this place of like concord and supporting each other particularly. It kind of came to you leading the conversation and kind of being like, look, this is a problem with you. Yeah, and avoidance. Yeah. Like it was avoidance, which was possibly one of the reasons he... that I was not there anyway yeah. and was doing business trips away. <laughs> it is interesting because, yeah, looking back, I'm also thinking like, what? Yeah, I, I really should have been more concerned about that baby. <laughs> uh, In my head, I was like, check that baby! Anything could have happened. Um, uh, Caitlin, how did you feel about our our scene? I very much enjoyed it. I I like that it it developed, that I had no idea what was going to happen when I first started speaking to you. Um, I think I think I think it was just the intonation of both of our voices. That I was like, oh, we're trying to find each other. We're just shouting to be heard here. And mm-hmm. then obviously, it's a it's a phone conversation. So I was like, well, it, like logically, if we were going to meet, we'd both hang up the phones. And so yeah, I felt I that said, too. Which it, it was fun for me because I w- got a little bit of that panic. Like, a we're either going to meet up, or b it's just a terrible set up for a scene like just people who can't hear each other at a at a venue but i yeah we just sort of kept going and it, it ended up being really we found this really fun kind of um scenario yeah and i like that that it wasn't very clear i mean very early on i felt that you were in the <coughs> wrong 
And then that kind of transferred um, when you, I, I think, like Andy was saying about discovering things together and then eventually just pinning something down. My friends don't like you. That was a great yeah. offer. I really enjoyed that because then we can actually really like <laughs> yeah. get into something. Also, thank you for putting up with me um, inventing some New York, I assume. Was, uh, 82nd Street. <laughs> 82nd like, Madison. I'm someone's, oh, I didn't head, name I didn't real like, streets either, but it was, yeah. I was like, I'm on the Black <laughs> I'm at, Actually, I'm at the Fun Fair on Blackheath Common in Southeast London where I grew up, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that would be a real stretch. Well, that was the other kind of panic in the beginning is I was like, we set ourselves up to just ask a lot of questions, but we both did and we just answered them like it was real, real chill. Uh, so cool. Um, let me look through. I want to wrap up because uh, we're we're definitely over time and maybe we can rapid fire a few more high-level questions. Rapid. Um, rapid. We're going to rapidly, yes. non-verbosely do this. Okay. Um, I think we covered this, but another question from an improviser here in Pittsburgh, uh, my friend Steve. So um, what, at the at the bit overall, um, it sounds like you do a, a bunch of um, different forms and um, maybe mixtures therein. Um, but he was asking, you know, do you see Harold short form, long form narrative? Do you want to hit on that again, maybe? Long form narrative, I think, is like the defining style um, that's that's going around. I think it's what it's what gets people really excited and get, people want to have a play with. Um, uh, we both kind of cut our teeth on short form in sort of rooms above pubs yeah, and like, stuff. Yeah, like and game stuff. Gamey, uh, yeah. silly, who's lying kind of type stuff. And we both found our love for improv really blossomed when we in- embrace narrative. So possibly because we're the ones doing, <laughs> doing the theatre and writing the courses, that's the um, that's the direction that it's taken. But it's also the the most interest that we've had from people. That being said, once we've taken over the building in, in January and we've refurbished, um, it will be... All comers will be welcome. We're oh, we're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna try everything. We're gonna try everything that's currently being done, and also we're gonna invite people to expand this thing that we call improv in as many different directions as possible, and find out what else is out there. Awesome. What has been the best note you've ever gotten? Shut up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not say uh, that's great. Uh, not even best. Just what's a what's a great note that you'd like to pass along um can i swear sure uh fucking sell it (laughs) (laughs) fucking sell it yeah. There's a there's a there's a, an amazing improv group here called the Showstoppers uh, who just won the U- the first ever Olivier Award given to an improvised theatre piece. They're mm. a music improvised musical group. They're like Baby Wants Candy. Um, yeah. And and what's great about musical improv is it's all about like you've got to you've got to sell it. Mm. You've got to convince the audience that you got this. Yeah. You know, and everything else will is 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 almost secondary to that. Yeah. And that's the difference between a real, like, a, like being on stage and ha- and having everyone having a great time, and being on stage and everyone wishing that it was over. Mm. Um, best, it probably doesn't even count as a note, but um, <laughs> uh, when I was very, very early days doing improv, and I was, you know, I had my own level of confidence, but um, I was still very. I used to do this kind of like apology stance where I was just worried mm-hmm. that people would think that I thought I was brilliant and then they'd hate me. So I didn't mm-hmm. sell it. And I was doing a workshop with Pippa Evans, who's one of the showstoppers and also an amazing comedian in her own right. And I was on on stage getting ready to do a short form game, Conducts' Story, standing there with my arms crossed, looking really anxious. And 
she came up to me, grabbed both my arms, shook them and went, let's see some positive body language. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, can you just look like you want to be there? And genuinely, I've never forgotten it because it is like, if you're not having fun, why the hell should anyone watch you? Like, just chill the fuck out. Uh, And finally, and we'll leave some space for plugs and whatnot, but... um, I think a lot of people as I'm talking about this podcast and whatnot are just, their reaction, probably similar to mine, was like, how is this the first uh, improv theater in the UK? Uh, Do you want to let people know how this came to be this way, that there's not an improv theater or that you you are able to hold this flag? I mean, the first the first thing we have to say is that there are groups out there that are doing, you know, really great stuff. There's, you know, the nursery uh, in London. It's definitely not the first improv theatre school and it's not the first improv theatre performance space. It's the first full time dedicated, owned by improvisers, (laughs) run by improvisers, passion, passionate nerds. Yeah, that exists. <laughs> because up, but up until now, you know, the only places you can do improv in the UK is in a room above a pub that's probably mm. a, mo- a, mu- a live music or a stand-up yeah, place, broken like glass yeah. on the floor, one day a week or two days a week or something like that. And we, yeah, we, yeah, improv, improv in the UK hasn't taken off or or is 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 behind where I guess it is in the, in the states for for a whole a whole variety of reasons. Um, um, but I think mostly it comes down to property, little Brian. <laughs> it's just super, super fucking hard, sorry, to own a building in the UK at the moment. It's mm. nearly impossible. And we are so lucky that a set of circumstances has delivered this amazing space to us. And we can put our stamp on it and call it that. Mm. Um, but we are very humble in the face of all the amazing performance, teaching and like communities that are built up in different places. We just happen to be the first place that's been able to be like, we own it. Woo-hoo. Yeah, get all of that stuff together. Yeah. That's wonderful. What can we plug? What can we send people to um, to help support the efforts you have going on? Sure. Well, the first thing that everyone can do is uh, go to buildthebit.com. B-U-I-L-D-T-H-E-B-I-T. Dot com. Dot com. Dot C-O-M. <laughs> and find out about the project. Yeah. And We've we... got videos and we post updates, blogs. You get to see Andy's face a hell of a lot. There's some great <laughs> candid camera stuff with us looking over some plans. Like, we really know what we're doing. <laughs> and, and, and also, yeah, we, we, we've got a crowd uh, crowdfunding thing going on on the website. Uh, anybody who feels like improv is uh, something worth spreading... Um, if they could, if they could kick us a little few couple of dollars, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. We are at the stage now where we've raised enough money to do what we need to do to the building to get it legally open. Yeah. But I mean, we're we're talking, you know, mm. we're talking stud work and 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 fire doors and mm. and and that's you know basically what, it. Everything else, <laughs> we're we're we are trying to build yeah. up. To, to kind of to, to pay for and, and develop this yeah. space over over the next couple of years. All the cosmetic work that we want to do to make it a very, you know... A home. A, yeah, a home and also, a, you know, a space where improv can really thrive has yet to come. At the moment, we, we just have the money to open the building under the new licence and fire regulations. <laughs> but that in itself is a huge achievement. That's yeah. huge. And, and that's going to... So we're, we're taking over the space in, uh, in January. 
mm-hmm. uh, 2017 um, because there's just been so much uh, stuff, uh, all the hurdles we've had to jump. It's closing, then immediately closing it for, for, for six weeks. For this bit, refurbishment. Builders in and then sometime <laughs> around March, we hope, opening full time. For the first season. For the first season. That's really fantastic. Such a great story. And uh, thank thank you again for uh, for doing this. This was a ton of fun. It was great to meet you both. It was awesome to meet you. Too. It was really nice to meet you guys. It's always a pleasure to meet improvisers from around the world yeah. because we're all we're all part of the same family. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it sounds like you're doing such cool work over there. Um, best best of luck to you in the the rest of your your campaign and and in the years to come. Uh, building great improv community out in the UK. Thank you. And we want to extend that extend that uh, thought to everybody and all of your listeners as well. Uh, if you can make it over to Bristol, uh, it, it, it bears on us. This podcast was recorded in studio this month in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and Bristol, UK. Special thanks to the talented Michelle Horsley for our opening theme. And of course, my guests, Andy Yo and Caitlin Campbell. For this and past episodes, surf to brianmgray.com slash podcast. If you love the show, the best thing you can do is tell a friend, post on Facebook, or tweet about it. Good night. <laughs>